How's it going? Great to be with you today. This is Paul George in studio for our pilot show in studio with producer Casey Trahan. How's it going, Casey? Hello, hello. It's been a while. Good to be with you guys. Uh, been really busy, Casey, lately. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but uh, travel woes. And I was in and out of airports this summer uh, doing a lot of traveling. And uh, World Record spent uh, close to 30 hours in an airport before I got to my destination. Wow. So, so summer travels, I think I have you topped, actually. Uh, I spent four days in a minivan with my wife, mother-in-law, and three children under three. Uh, so, If we're going to one-up one another. Well, that sounds like penance to me. <laughs> so I was flying solo. Well, I wasn't flying the plane, but uh, I was heading out to speak at an engagement. Luckily for me, uh, I ran into a friend of mine in the airport. We got to spend the 30 hours together, and we weren't expecting it, who later on I'll actually have on the show, which I'm excited about our guest today. So anyway, I'm on, uh, you know, I'm flying out to San Diego, California. I'm supposed to get there in time. I'm having dinner with some friends that night before I speak at this conference. And before I know it, they just cancel flights. Uh, and then I end up in another airport uh, trying to connect, go, and, and whatnot. And then they cancel flights again. So what was this weather? Uh, no, it could be anything, honestly. First time it was weather. Second time was because they didn't have a um, flight attendance. Really? Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I can serve drinks. I don't have a problem. Is there a pilot? They had two pilots. I was like, look, I I, I can do whatever. There's Just like, get us there. There's like 100,000 people in line to be a flight attendant, I hear. Like the application process is very long, and there's it's a very desirable job. Yeah, it seems great. Um, not a job I would technically or realistically want to do, but it seems like a good job if you want to do it. But apparently, if you don't have a flight attendant, the plane cannot leave. You can have pilots, you can have passengers, you can have fuel, you can have the luggage, you can have uh, maintenance, you can have everything done. But if you do not have a flight attendant, you cannot leave. So I slept on an airport floor. Well, I didn't really sleep. I laid on an airport floor for <laughs> hours till the next flight went out the next morning. So anyway, it was crazy. Summertime vacation woes. Well, this isn't really a vacation. Yeah, so you traveled out across country to California in a car, a van. Crazy, right? Yeah, and you do this thing called Airbnb. This is new to me. (laughs) That's that's because you're old. This is so not American to me. (laughs) Airbnb. It's it's very popular in Europe, actually. Exactly. See, there's my thought. So what do you get online and and people, like, rent out, like, their guest house or their property or whatever yeah. well well it's an app it, it, it's an app very similar to uber Are you familiar with yeah, uber yeah okay it, it works on the same concept basically if i have a home i can either uh rent that out as a shared space somebody can stay with me um or if i have like a guest house i can rent that out and, and it ranges it goes all the way from paying like 15 dollars to sleep on an air mattress in somebody's living room with the dog licking your face or so if know, i want to go to new york and save money i can just rent space on someone's couch you can you can couch surf a lot of people do that but they also you know they'll rent out entire apartments you know right um and it's great i mean i I, i've not had any negative experiences with it i went all the way to california and back using it so just like airbnb is uh putting like hotels out of business you know uh uber is putting taxis out of business it's going to catch up with them and i'm going to ride that wave until it's gone because uh, eventually it's going to have restrictions and uh, the prices are going to go up, but until that happens, Casey's Airbnb in. Interesting. Yep. I, I don't. It's not my gig. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I, 
I'm a hotel guy, man. I, I don't know, but uh, I just couldn't stay at a stranger's house. I don't, I don't know what it is about me. You get to meet uh, all kind of people. You you love people. I, I do love people, but I don't like. I, I don't know. I just feel like somebody might like kill me in the middle of the night. Like oh, I just goodness. have this weird feeling, <laughs> and it's just not right. It just doesn't feel right to me. And my wife would never go for it. We'll see. There's first time for everything, Paul. There is. So anyway, uh, travel was, but in the at, at the end of the travel, here's what I was looking forward to. And I don't know if most people look forward to this, but the Olympics, the Summer Olympics, comes every four years, mm-hmm. um, and it's the one time every four years you watch sports that you never watch, the, <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever. Like, do you ever watch swimming? Do no. you ever watch gymnastics? And by the end of it, you're an expert. You're judged. Like, oh, that's a seven point three. Do right you ever there. watch fencing? Do you ever watch track and field? And even though these some of these sports are like fascinating, you never watch them. Only once every four years. You don't even hear about them. They're not even hardly on the news. So it's fascinating to me. Here, here's the things that I'm fascinated about the Olympics. One, it's sports that you never see that you finally get to watch. Two, it's watching people do something that you could never do. You watch the uh, the gymnastics. I've seen like snippets of it. Okay, so literally, Facebook. like if you, if I train my whole life, there's absolutely no way I can be a gymnast. So watching someone be a gymnast and good at it absolutely fascinates me. Mm-hmm. There's this one girl who's 4'8", and she flips in the sky for like hours and then lands. <laughs> I'm like, what just <laughs> happened? I can't do a flip off the diving board. I mean, I, I can't even jump, flip off the diving board. All 6'4", of me just explodes in midair, and then, <laughs> and then belly I'm belly flop. flop. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm fascinated by the Olympics. Have you watched any of it? None. Like I said, I've seen a few names. I've seen a few events, and I watched uh, one kid. It's called Hood Olympics, right? And he's he's doing the the bar thing. He's flipping over the bar, and he just like misses. So he he flips and lets go, and like just falls on the curb. It's pretty funny. Okay, there is one real awesome commercial during the Olympics that I really enjoy. It's a group of married men sitting around a pool, and their wives are sitting on the other end, and they look at this. Um, this pool net that cleans the pool and it's got a long pole and they're looking at each other like well let's pole vault (laughs) so this guy takes this pool pole tries to pole vault and lands into this table and the wife just looks at the other wife is like yep that's my husband and takes him to the hospital and i'm thinking that's that's what guys do during the olympics they see sports that they would never do or attempt to do and they see it and they're like let's go do that and they take some random pole or do whatever out in the yard and they go do it and I always say the last word of every guy is, hey, watch this. Hey, watch this. Hey, watch this. Bruh. So anyway, I'm fascinated uh, by these sports. But here's what I did learn. And not to um, pick on any other countries out there, uh, but there are some countries at the Olympics who have athletes there that should not be in the Olympics. They qualified from their country, but they can't compete with the rest of the countries who are competitive in that sport. There was that one viral video about the dude on the diving board. I think he's from the Philippines. Yeah, they're from the Philippine diving team. And it was it was actually really refreshing for me because it was the one point in the Olympics I thought to myself, I have a chance. I can move <laughs> to the Philippines and I could try out for the diving team. You would look, you would look so funny uh, carrying a Filipino flag. Well, first Walking of all, I would look funny in a lot of ways. Wearing the bathing suit, A. B, carrying the Filipino flag, and C, jumping off the diving board. But I think I could at least make that team. And it made me feel good about myself for one moment. I was sorry for the guy who couldn't do a flip. But he was in competitive sports in the Olympics. So anyway, I, I tweeted that out, and, uh, and uh, 
you know, there's a there's an old uh, there's an old movie quote from Jim Carrey uh, from Dumb and Dumber where he's like, "So you say I have a chance?" So you're saying there's a chance? That's the way I felt like I could. There's a chance that I could make the Olympics if I moved to some random small country. You know, there's one country that sent one athlete. What country? Was there that? were some countries that just sent seven. I thought, you know what? I can be eight. I can be the eighth person that make that team doing <laughs> something. Jamaican bobsled team style. There's people who do archery. There's people who. Um, uh, there's all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of stuff that you never see. There's people who like shoot targets. I mean, you don't have to be athletic to make some of these sports, is what I'm saying. I'm not making this. Apparently, at one point in history, somebody won a gold medal at the Olympics for painting. Painting. Painting a picture. Paintballing? No, no. Like a portrait or a, a landscape, whatever. Like an art painting right. at the Olympics. Real story. Well, anyway. So that's been my summer. And when we come back, special guest, Mr. Adam Conk, who I'm excited to talk about our summer travels as well as some cool stuff around family, uh, balance, and how to find God in the midst of all that. We'll be back. Nice. Welcome back to the show. Paul George in studio, producer Casey Trahan, bringing in our special guest of the show uh, today. Very special, Mr. Adam Conk. Welcome to the show, Adam. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. I would say, so recently I I was sharing the beginning of the show uh, before you were here about travel woes, and I was traveling to San Diego, California, and um, lo and behold, who do I meet randomly in the airport but Adam Conk? That's right. That's you. You remember that time? Yeah. So for those of you guys who do not know Adam, Adam is a uh, director of a radio station, KLFT Radio in Lafayette, Louisiana. Does some good work. Travels around. Um, You do all sorts of things, which we'll get into in the show. But let's get back to the travel thing. So randomly, we're in the airport. uh, And... we see each other, we connect, we're on the same flight. And not only are we on the same connecting flight, but we're going to the same destination, San Diego, California, which you had never been to. we had no to. idea. And we, we, had know, no idea. we know each other. Yeah, yeah. And you had never been to San Diego. Never been. So we're talking about how amazing San Diego is and how excited we are for a change of weather during the hot summers of Louisiana. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden we board the plane and then they deplane us, deboard us, whatever you want to call and then we're stuck in the airport for the rest of the next 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. It was quite an experience. We got to know each other for sure. But um, yeah. w- we were watching the movie The Revenant. I'd never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Had you seen it before? I had it? never seen it before. Okay. And, you know, I just thought it is going to be a long trip. It's a long flight out to California. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to download a new movie that I haven't seen. I've been wanting to see. And, and I got to enjoy it with a friend. Well, when we watched it sparingly a little here a little there in between boardings and unboardings but uh and we finally finished it at around <laughs> 2 a.m yeah when they canceled in our dallas. last flight yeah. in dallas and we basically laid on the airport floor till the next flight out That's the next right. morning well i found the movie actually ended up being a good parallel to what we were experiencing i mean maybe not to the extent of leo's character but right it was it was a similar situation well the fact that uh he got attacked by a bear was close to being stuck in the airport <laughs> because you almost, well, almost got attacked by a bear. You almost got attacked by a bear. It, 
literally a guy got mad at you because he had a cot and he thought you were going to take it. Which, if anybody knows Adam Cot, he would not take anything from anyone. Well, well, okay. So, full disclosure, so unless was, it was a beer, I was in line. like I might see you taking someone's beer. If I can get away with it, if, you, I might if try. you can run fast enough, but not a cot. I could never see you taking anything from anyone. So this guy thought that you were going to take his cot. Well, I was in line, and you were on the phone out of line trying to talk to an agent because we were trying to rebook our like fifth flight or something. Right. And for some reason, I guess I was loopy. I was kind of dancing in and out of line. Mm-hmm. And you, seeing this, thought, well, you need to stay in line. But you're on the phone, so you start pointing at me, but you were pointing right at that cot. Right, the which guy the guy was holding. Yeah, so I'm like, what? And you're like, you just keep pointing, like, adamantly. And I, and I did say this, and I think this was where it all went awry, is I said, stay in the spot. Yeah. And you thought I said, take his <laughs> cot. So I just say out loud, you want me to take this guy's cot? <laughs> well, that was it. The guy He was comes, not happy. No, he came unraveled. <clears throat> and basically, what did he say? This is not a good idea. He said, I, don't, I wouldn't recommend that, because that's my cot. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> We were a few seconds away from a brawl over a cot. <clears throat> Which is what two Catholic guys in an airport on their way to Catholic functions, that's exactly where they should be. Yeah, that's the reputation we have. Yep. The, the bad boys of, of the Catholic world. Yeah, and I love breaking <laughs> up fights. Honestly, if I could be honest, I, I love breaking up fights. I've never so, done that. So part of me was like hoping, maybe this will happen. <laughs> what? And I could actually, you were hoping he would hit me? <laughs> would not hit you, but like go out and I could break it up. I love to break up fights. Like one time I broke up a knife fight and uh in a convenience store mm-hmm. and it was exhilarating <laughs> it was it so was you've like been chasing that high ever since <laughs> i really have yeah <clears throat> i really have i broke up a knife fight this guy was about to stab another guy in a convenience store close to the bathroom and i yelled at the guy threatened to you know and then and then the fight he got distracted took off running with his knife out out the door it i was i was like you know it was like blood flowing i was i was felt like a superhero for one moment well maybe you have what it takes i would imagine you know okay sp- but here's the image though adam is that so so let me not play this off like i was a superhero so when the guy started running out of the store with his knife i grabbed a case of coke <laughs> to like throw at him in case he came after me because i didn't i didn't have a weapon so here i was with coke is dangerous coke, thinking this is how i'm gonna win this war <laughs> so anyway Adam, we did have a, a good trip. We eventually made it, it to our, our destination. Yes. Uh, you were actually going out to San Diego to um, to do some radio stuff out there, and I was going to speak at a conference. So anyway, Adam, you have uh, – how many kids do you have? I have five on earth, one in heaven, Paul. Gotcha. So, um, so when you say one in heaven, what you're talking about is your wife had a miscarriage. Yeah, we lost, we lost one of our children. Um, all six of them are under the age of eight. Okay. Or eight or under. Okay. So you can call it rapid fire Catholic babies. I don't know. I don't. I don't just, know what you call it. So I don't know what you call it? So we had three close together, and then we had a fourth later on. Because after the three close together, I just we waved the white flag. We surrendered. <laughs> uh, but you seem like in your DNA, you're like, let's keep going. Well, my white flag came really like with the first baby. And I've just been waving it ever since. But not like I give up, but more like I, I don't know what I'm doing at this point. I won't know what I'm doing with four more. Right. So what's the difference? Well, once you get past four or five, it's like it just Yeah, kinda, just keep it coming. No so anyway, here's the question I have for you because I think a lot of people out there are maybe in the same situation as you or, you know, same season of life. Um, you know, you're full-time, you know, worker. You work full-time, support your family. Uh, but you're also a full-time husband and dad. Mm. So what's it like having balance, you know, between – because you, 
you do want to be a good father. I know that about you. you want to be a good dad. You want to be a, a good husband. Uh, so what's it like trying to, you know, strike a balance there between work and family? Well, it's not an accident, I'll tell you that. I can remember when I first started working full-time and supporting my wife and my small child, I remember the decision. The day came where the demands of work were going to get in the way of me going home and spending time with my family. I remember that day. I was a teacher, first-time teacher, and that can be a very demanding job, Paul, as, as you know. Yeah, it requires a lot of time. Yeah. You know, in school, out that of school. That you're not even paid for. Right. You know, a lot of times. So I was faced with a decision of staying, you know, working for another couple hours at home or eating dinner with my family. And I said, you know what? I'm just not going to be an excellent teacher. And I'm okay with that. Right. Because I'll be an excellent dad. So when you decide what you wanted to be excellent at, you, you decided that you want to be an excellent dad first. And mm-hmm. then, you know, your career would come second. Not yeah. that you can't be good at it. Right. I just you almost had to decide <laughs> which was more important. Right. And I mean, look, there are some supermen in the world. You're, you're a superman, all these kinds of things. You're taking coke and fighting villains. But and I'm stuff. not excellent at it. We're not taking coke. You're grabbing coke to, to hit villains. Yeah. But, so my concealed <laughs> weapon that day was a <clears throat> case of Diet Coke. Right. It wasn't even real coke. It was Diet Coke. <laughs> so let, let me not play this off like, you know, I had a cape on. It was Diet Coke. It was a of all Diet things. Coke of all things. Like, that's what I grabbed. You know, not, not, not even like a big bottle of whiskey like you see in the westerns where they crack it over like the bar and they hit the guy and knock him out. No, I had a case of Diet Coke. <laughs> well, thankfully you didn't have to use it. It's a deadly weapon. But, um, no, I mean, I, I knew in time, because I was young, I knew in time I could do all things excellently. Because that's, if God's not going to give me something to do unless I could do it excellently. Right. And I knew the only reason I couldn't was because I had shortcomings. But I would rather learn how to be an excellent teacher then forget how to be an excellent dad. Well, I think one of the things that you said was, um, you know, if you're not intentional about it, it's definitely mm-hmm. not going to happen. So you had to make a decision. Yeah, and I decided, look, I, I, I'm probably going to turn in lesson plans late. I'm probably not going to, you know, do all the things that um, my boss would like done. I'll have to sacrifice that to, to never regret with my family. And that's been an, an intention in my mind ever since I got married. I don't want to be the person who looks back and says, man, I wish I had more time with mm-hmm. my family or I wish right. I would have not taken work so seriously. I'd rather be the person who says, oh man, I wish I would have turned in lesson plans more. I'd rather be that guy. Right. Well, I, th- I think I can speak for most people that I talk to is that they want to be a good mom or dad or husband or wife, a good family person. Uh, but oftentimes they're not intentional about making that decision. So it, it's sort of like they want to do it but they're not intentional about doing it. So what ends up happening is, um, I say this, if, if, um, if, uh, if you don't decide what you do with your time, something else or someone else will decide what to do with your time. Yeah. So, you know, it's either or, it's, you know, you can't, so you have to almost decide and make a decision. What's most important? Here's what's most important. Here's what I'm gonna focus the majority of my time. And you have to make that decision. You have to be intentional about it. Yeah, and you know, in time, I, I learned better time management skills. I learned these kinds of things to do uh, better at meeting the demands of my job. But I, I don't look back over the same time period and said, oh, now I can finally spend more time with my family because I never left my family. You know? right. And so, and I think my life experience made it to where that was the most important thing in my life, loving God, loving my wife when I got married. And I'm so blessed for my life experience, those that have formed me, um, my parents, also, we had great mentors when we were engaged and preparing for marriage. So, like, I was at a point where I, I knew the difference between putting God first and my wife first and not. 
and I was I was just so committed to putting my wife first. Not that I'm perfect at it, right? But if I'm going to be an excellent anything in life, I want it to be a husband and a father. So that's number one, yeah, uh, thing that you do. But you know, I I think what's what's crucial here is getting back to the fact that over time, hopefully, our intentions can become reality. We can mm-hmm. make the right decisions to make those things, you know sort of blossom in our life but don't get me wrong you're great at what you do the work that you do so as people are listening they're like well maybe just adam (laughs) just stays home all day and he's just a good dad and husband (laughs) which there may be some stay-at-home dads i'm not saying that i'm saying you do work full-time and you're still good at what you do but over the years and over over sort of you know the span you figured out how to how to land at that balance and be good at both yeah so you can be good at both yeah you just choose to be better at the thing that's the most priority well, and again, God's only going to give us things, not only that we can handle, that's a popular phrase, right? Like, God won't give you something you can't handle. But in reality, God doesn't give us anything that we can't do excellently. Right. All right, so I'm going to downshift here and All shift right. gears. We're going to stay on this topic of parenting, but here's one of the things that people talk to me a lot about. It's this word called parental regret. Have mm. you ever heard that word? Yeah. Okay, so, and the majority of parental regret comes around more of... Um, the reality that parents have regret of not being able to spend enough time with their kids. Mm-hmm. So they have this regret that their their kids are going to turn out bad or, or resent them down the road or whatever. And, and then they start to think, well, the more kids I have, then the less time I have to spend with kids. And then the more that my kids are going to dislike me because I don't have the time and the mm-hmm. more regret I'm going to have and I'm going to feel real guilty. And so I'm just not going to have, you know, a family, yada, yada, yada. And, and it kind of goes on and on and on. So you have five kids yeah. and a wife. That's six people that you really want to spend time with. Yeah. And I'm sure we all face parental regret at times because, we, you know, there's certainly not enough time to go around every day. But how do you balance loving each one of your family members and feeling like they get enough of you as a dad, as a parent? It's a great question. And, again, it's not by accident. Like today, it came in to do the morning show, 6.15. I have choir rehearsal tonight at my parish. Like, I'll be gone the vast majority of the day. So the time I do have with them has to be quality because it's mm-hmm. not so much quantity, it's quality. Because mm-hmm. I know people that spend a lot of time together with their family or something and they don't necessarily have the best relationship. But then I know some other people that don't spend. Maybe they work offshore, you know, and they're gone seven days out of the month or whatever, but they have a fantastic relationship. And it would seem that the difference is a very intentional gift of self when you do have time together. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I could go home for lunch today like I'm going to do, which is probably going to be the only 30-minute span I have with all of my family today. Right, right. I could go and be selfish with it and say, look, I'm exhausted. I had meetings all morning. I'm going to have more later. Let me take a nap. Let me just whatever to meet my needs. Or I can give myself to my family when I'm there. And kids know the difference. Like if you're just there or if you're there, right. they know that difference. Right. And they appreciate it. Also, just little things like saying saying I love you, for example. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Paul, but when, we, when I grew up, that was a normal thing in the house. Mom, dad said I love you all the time, right? But I, I'm learning as I get older and meet other people and hear their experiences, that's not automatic in families. Like mm-hmm. a lot of kids wait a long time just to hear those words. So even if I see my kids 10 minutes today, I could say I love you at least three times. Mm-hmm. And they, they realize this. They, they hear it. It affects them. And it helps set the tone of our relationship that I think gives them what they need. Not that I don't have any parental regret, but my only regret are, are the times that my sin and my shortcomings made me less of a dad. But I know God is bigger than my sins and shortcomings. Right. One of the things that I've really found is that when you really trust in God, God can expand your time. Mm-hmm. 
and he can expand your time with your family, who's most important. But I think you mentioned something really good that I, that I want to just kind of highlight is that there is a difference between quality time and quantity time. Mm-hmm. And that quality time, I think, pays more benefits. That, that, that quality time is actually an investment in the bank. Where quantity time is just kind of, you know, I, I do see families oftentimes they'll all be sitting around a table or even at a restaurant, and they're all on their phones. Mm-hmm. So they're out to eat, and they're all together, but there's no conversation happening. You know, so they're missing a unique opportunity to have some quality time, right? And I, I think for us as parents, for you, what you're saying is it's much more beneficial to have that that quality time, even if it's a shorter amount of time, it pays off. Yeah, and I think it, it's a habit of knowing the difference between time well spent and time not well spent. You know, you get into the habit of recognizing that difference, and we learn it best in prayer, because the same parental regret is the Christian regret. Mm-hmm. I wish I had more time to pray, right? How many right. times do we say that right, in right. a day? But where do we learn this habit of like, okay, I only have a few minutes right now. I could either connect with my father either connect with with Jesus or not right and and we learn that you know this is a good time connect with Jesus not all the time because even sometimes we need to rest we need to be entertained to rejuvenate but there are some times where it's most appropriate to connect with Jesus Mm. today for five minutes or whatever and it might not be a lot of time that day but if it's quality we learn those distinctions and then we're able to apply that to our family as well I could look at my wife the same way I could either be with my wife right now or not right be with my kids right now or not but I think we need to learn that lesson in prayer first if we're really going to do it right. Yeah, and one of the things that we can honestly, in humility, ask God for is, Lord, help me order my day. Mm. Help me order my priorities. I'm having a hard time prioritizing. Help me order that, and help me order my day each day so that I I don't have the regret that I feel, that I didn't give the right people the right amount of time uh, who are most important to me in my life. Well, I think that's such a key idea because I think regret comes from Regret comes from what we wish we would have done, but confidence comes from knowing what God is doing. Mm. Like, we regret when we think we have to do everything. Right. But when we realize we don't have to do everything, we don't have regrets. Not because we did everything perfect, but we know that it doesn't matter if we did everything perfect, because God still loves us. I like that. It doesn't matter that we did everything, because we're not going to do everything perfect. We're imperfect. We're going to mess up. We're never going to get it completely right. And what we're not, what we're, you know, we're not talking about perfect parenting or Mm. perfect, you know, you know, being a spouse, we're talking about just being obedient, being faithful, yeah. you know, being true to, you know, what we're called well, to if do. we're going to be happy long-term, we have to give up the idea of being the perfect parent. Just give it up. But there is a perfect parent, and he's he is parenting me. He's parenting my kids. Yep. Like, he's got it under control. That's true. What I have to worry about is to not be a jerk, you know, to be to be growing in holiness, to trying to become that saint God's calling me to be, and he's going to do the rest. Amen. It so takes I, faith. I want to get yeah. to really one last question. Uh, why I have you here, because I know you're busy. Uh, a lot of people, uh, when they have families and kids, they sort of get lost in parenting. Mm. And almost what takes, uh, you know, second there is is the marriage. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that the marriage has to come first, before the kids. And many people struggle, you know, kind of prioritizing that. So how do you... Uh, you know, make sure that your marriage is first, your wife's first, and then and then sort of the children fall under that. Well, I guess I could offer three things that I know that I do intentionally. One is when we're together as a family, I intentionally show affection, spousal affection to my wife. Right. And by that I mean 
you know, like I put my hand on her shoulder or I, I give her a hug that's more than hey pal. Right. And the kids see it. So in other words, like I, I set the tone when we're together that mommy and daddy's relationship is special. And the kids, our relationship with the kids flows from that. Mm-hmm. I do that intentionally. Uh, two, I have to make time either bef- early in the morning or late at night or at some point in the day to have a substantial conversation with my wife. Right. Even before I set time for prayer. Now, what I mean by that is I could be at work and thinking about the Lord, mm-hmm. right? I could be conversing with God throughout the day. I can't do that with my wife. Right. So I have to set, even if it's five minutes of meaningful conversation, if I don't do that, our relationship will suffer, my parenting will suffer. So that's another thing we do. Intentionally connect on some level. Yeah, because there there's only two things that can happen. Either you connect or you disconnect. Mm-hmm. And if you're not connecting, you're disconnecting even if you're not intentionally disconnecting, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you have to intentionally connect or the disconnecting will happen even if you don't intentionally mean it to happen. Right. Right. There's lots of ways bad things could happen. There's only like one or two that good things can. What I mean by that is there's really like, you only have to do one or two good things to make sure things go well. Mm -hmm. But if you don't do those one or two things, there's lots of ways it could all fall apart. There's lots of scenarios that could happen that are terrible. So connect every day. And then I guess another thing we intentionally do is like little things like at mass, we sit by each other because you could have you could have the uh, strategy with a lot of kids to break it up. So you're at church, you're in a pew. Yeah, you right. got five kids. What you gonna do? They're all under the age of eight. So right. you could have a strategy. Well, let's break it up. You sit here between right. these kids. I'll sit here between these kids, and they'll all get along. But no, because then the, the family unit isn't quite representative. So I, I sit next to my wife, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the sign of peace, I always give her peace first before the kids. It's mm-hmm. these little things that I think help set the tone. Not only to my wife, but also to the kids of the centrality of our marriage. Right, and and then they know that that you're united. There's no way to d- divide you because as yeah. they get older, they don't. In, they might intentionally, but they don't always know that they'll try to try to divide the parents a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let me get one on my side, or if I can't get my way with one. But if they know that you're, uh, you know, you're unified, then it's a strong front. Mm-hmm. You know, then then you're together. So and that's what they need. Absolutely. Well, thanks for taking the time today. It's great to have you on the show. Paul, it's been a pleasure. I know. And hopefully uh, we won't be traveling uh, (laughs) together together the way we did this past (laughs) summer. But lots of stories from that trip. Yeah. Well, let's try it again next summer. See what happens. Absolutely. I'll have you back on. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Paul. Welcome back to the show. It's Paul George, podcast. Uh, Casey Trahan spinning those tunes. Casey, I like your choice of music today. Uh, it's, it's just a random pull out of a hat. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, great randomness. I like that. Speaking of randomness, it was good having Adam on the show. I thought he had some good nuggets about the show. Anything stick out to you? No, absolutely. He, he said some things that I honestly never heard before or from him because I work with Adam. Right. <laughs> and so, like, that, that was amazing. The, this idea of sitting next to your spouse at Mass, I could say that I've never tried. Mm-hmm. And, again, I have three children, three and under. Right, so you got your Three, two, full. newborn. So Mass yeah. is just very hectic. And so I'm, I'm going to try it and see how it works out. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we do sometimes, I have four kids, and sometimes the way we kind of shift, and all my kids are big now, so we take up – we take up space, um, and uh, my wife and I might not always end up sitting next to each other um, at the you know 
when we when we start mm-hmm. you know mass or serve our, our church but what we'll always do is you know for us as catholics we go to communion mm-hmm. uh we always end up together going to communion so we'll let the, all yeah. the kids go out and then she and i go to communion and then when we come back for us um you know the prayer after communion after receiving jesus in the eucharist is really intimate so we always end up um kneeling next to each other after communion so that's one of the things that we've sort of you know, if we don't end up sitting next to each other, we're always going to end up together at that moment. Did that happen intentionally, or did you make that happen? Yeah, it happened intentionally. I, you know, we just I had kind of decided like this: we got to make this happen. You know, and and so which brings me back to one of the key words that that really stuck out to me in the interview with Adam that I wanted to highlight is intentionality. And I think a lot of times in our life, we have really good intentions for things that we want to do, whether it be in our marriage or with our kids or with work goals that we set, things that we want to accomplish. But the reality is that intentions mean nothing if we don't do anything about them. So I can have intentions to get in shape or lose weight, but if I actually don't make a decision to work out or eat right, my intentions mean nothing. They're only good intentions. And the majority of people, I I would say, have really good intentions of the direction they want their life to go. Mm-hmm. I have never met anyone and said, hey, what's your intentions for your life? And they say, you know what? When I get older, I want to be in jail. I want to be in prison. I want to do horrible <laughs> things with my life. I want to be life. a generally terrible person. I just want to be a terrible person. No one has those intentions because God didn't create us that way. God created us with a, with a unique desire to know him and to have good intentions for where we want our life to go. But I think what Adam was saying, what really highlighted and stuck out to me, is that our intentions really go nowhere unless we start making decisions to move our intentions in a direction that we want them to go. So the challenge for us today is what are the intentions in your life right now that you actually want to get some traction in? You want to get some momentum in. Maybe it's time with your kids. Maybe it's more time with your spouse. Maybe it's putting your family first. Maybe you know, you're in a work situation where it needs to get better or some type of change in your life that you know you need to make and you just haven't been able to do it, why don't you begin to pray and ask God uh, to make your intentions, to help your intentions become reality, gain some traction, and start to put down maybe some practical things that you can begin to do in your life that can help your intentions move forward. This is Paul George. Great being with you today.